welcome to today's episode. Today I will be reading Neville Goddard's lecture titled The Promise Fulfilled. Uh, this is one of his longer lectures, so this will be part one of two. Again, it's called The Promise Fulfilled. Neville tells his audience, tonight's subject is The Promise Fulfilled. Now here we are gathered together, and I dare say if I ask anyone here, including myself, the speaker, are we really known in the world? I think we would all admit only to a very small circle our relatives. And then we could think of those who are so publicized the world over throughout the ages. And you might think that you are not really known, that not a thing is ever mentioned about you in any book ever written. But I want to tell you that the greatest book ever written is all about you. The Bible is your biography. It is also your autobiography because you inspired it. It is you who dictated it, and it's all about you, every word of it. You came here for one purpose, and one purpose only, to fulfill it. You came into the world to fulfill your own prophecy. So you are far better known than anyone in this world, for when we speak of the outer man, it vanishes and his little accomplishments. But your accomplishment is to come down into the world and conquer it, and actually rise out of the grave and return to the being that you are, only enhanced by your victory over death. That's the thing that you really are. Now I'm not making this up. I tell you what I know, for I have had the experience. I am not alone. The Bible is my biography, for I have fulfilled it. It is your biography, and if you have not yet fulfilled it, you will. That is the story of Scripture. The ones spoken of in Scripture, he said, all the promises of Scripture find their yes in him. You might think this refers to someone other than yourself who lived 2,000 years ago. It is said of him, he is clad in a robe in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt within us. John 1.14 Born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, but of God. John 1.13 The Bible speaks of two births in the world. It's told in the most glorious way. Paul tells it in the book of Galatians. But we will go back to the promise as we find it in Genesis. For this is the basic promise in Scripture, a promise made to Abraham. Now the word Abraham means the father of the multitudes. <clears throat> he was old. This is the story. A hundred years old and had no heir, although he did have a son, and the son was called Ishmael. It was said of Ishmael that he was a wild ass. His hand was against every man, and every man's hand against him. But he was born of a slave, Hagar, in the household of Sarah. Sarah was barren and she was ninety, and it ceased to be with her after the manner of woman. Genesis 18:11. Being ninety years of age, and Abraham was a hundred, and there was no offspring from that union, the word Sarah means princess. And they prayed to the Lord for an heir, not one born of a slave, and the Lord granted their prayer, 
and said, You will have a son, and the son will be the heir, and you will call him, or you will call his name Isaac. Isaac means he laughs. But they laughed at the very thought that at their age they could have a child. And the question was asked, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Genesis 18.14 And Abraham replied, No. Abraham believed all things were possible to God. At the appointed hour the child was born, and they called him as the angel said, Call him Isaac. He laughs. That is the story. Now the story, as explained to us in the book of Galatians, which is considered the earliest book written in the New Testament, it was written 20-odd years before the earliest gospel, Mark. And in this he tells the story. The promise was made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, which is Christ, Galatians 3.16. He states it clearly, offspring. The offspring promised is Christ, and it was promised to Abraham. Then he states, this is an allegory, Galatians 4.24. As he goes on to explain the story of the birth, he said Abraham brought forth a son. We have only one son, the offspring, which is Christ. He speaks now of two sons, one born of Hagar, which he likens to the present Jerusalem, and that son was born from above. Another son came, born of a free woman, and born from above. The one born of slavery brings her sons into slavery and is enslaved with them. And the one born from above is born of our mother, Jerusalem, born into liberty. And again he states that this is an allegory. Having experienced it, I can tell you a story. You and I are born of Hagar, Ishmael as the garments of flesh go. All these garments of flesh and blood are the sons of Hagar, born into slavery. You are enslaved by the bodies that you wear. We are told in scripture they will go into a land, and they will be sojourners there. They will be enslaved, and they will be oppressed for four hundred years. Then afterwards, they will come out with great possessions. Four hundred is not four hundred years as we measure by the calendar. We are speaking now of the great mystery of Scripture. Every number has a symbolic significance. Four hundred is simply the numerical value of the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That letter is Tav, the twenty-second letter. They do have five other letters, but they are repetitions. Of five of the original two, or of the original twenty-two. The twenty-second letter is the last letter. Its numerical value is four hundred. Its symbol is that of a cross. So as long as we wear the cross, this burden called the human form, and he indicates the physical body, we are oppressed in this world. We are enslaved by the cross that we wear. When we come out, we will receive great possessions. Paul tells us in the fourth chapter of the book of Romans, the possession that is ours is the world itself, not a little section of the world. 
the world we inherit when we come out of this tribulation. We receive the promise, and there's a difference between receiving the promise and receiving what was promised. In receiving the promise, we are declared heirs. In receiving what was promised, we will accept it and receive and obtain our inheritance. In between receiving the promise and receiving what was promised, so that we actually obtain the inheritance, lies the great tribulation of the 400 years. When it comes to the actual obtaining of the promise, with no warning whatsoever, suddenly you come into your inheritance, and you come into your inheritance by the second birth. You are born from above, born of the Jerusalem from above, who is our mother. In the 87th Psalm, it is said, the Lord chose Zion. Zion is his perfect dwelling place. Psalm 87. The word Jerusalem, the word Zion, the word Bethlehem, the word city of David, and the word city of God are synonymous terms. In this 87th Psalm, it is said, the Lord records as he registers the peoples. And the Lord said, This one and that one were born here, and this one was born there. Born where? Born above. If I liken now this above to an infinite mind, and you and I are brain cells in the mind of the dreamer, every cell has to be born. And because it is one with the dreamer, every cell as it unfolds and explodes, it is the dreamer himself. He is simply bringing into birth his own being, and you are that being. So, far from being unknown, you have the greatest biography in the world, the Bible, the most popular book in the world. They don't mention it when they speak week after week of the popular books. They put at the top of the list the fiction book that sells the most, or nonfiction and they would pale into insignificance concerning the sale of your biography. Your biography has been translated into over 1,200 languages, more or less. Take all the bestsellers put together, and they pale into insignificance concerning the sale of our biography. <clears throat> For your biography is the Bible. I have come to fulfill scripture, see Matthew 5:17. Scripture must be fulfilled in me, Mark fourteen forty nine, the King James Version. And then, beginning with Moses and the law, and all the prophets, with all the Psalms, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and things concerning himself. And then he said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me, Hebrews ten seven, it is all about me. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have no other book. Then comes the fulfillment of the promise. And the promise is, you will have a son named Isaac. It's like saying, name him, he laughs. Well, I can't tell you the thrill that is in store for you when that child appears, in spite of your age. In spite of your seeming barrenness, suddenly the child appears. Others find it. You hold it in your arms, and in the most endearing mood, that possesses you, you look into the face of this wonderful infant and you say, How is my sweetheart? 
He will burst into the most heavenly smile. He laughs. Well, that's Isaac. Then you will know who Abraham really is. He is the son of Abraham in his old age. I was only in my fifties when it happened and still could have sired a child. But I had been coming through the tribulations for thousands of years. I reached the end of the journey and the journey takes thousands of years by implication 6,000 years, if you read scripture carefully. For Peter said, when they asked him, where is the promise of this coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of the world, Second Peter 3, 4. And then Peter answered that these wonders will come, but they do not know that one day of the Lord is equal to 1,000 years. A thousand years here is but a day of the Lord. 2 Peter 3.8 So let us make man, Genesis 1.26, on what day? Oh, the sixth day. So six thousand years you've been traveling. You actually came down and annexed these bodies called men. You never were these bodies. These are garments that you wear, and you are enslaved by the garment that you wear. Yet only as you enter these garments and penetrate them and annex the brains of these garments can you enter this world of death. And by entering this world of death, you experience death, or you could not have died. You are immortal. You were immortal, and you return to your immorality. You cannot die. Although you seem to die, you cannot die, I assure you. My father and my mother are as alive to be today as they were before they made their departure from this world. My brother Lawrence, who took part in my drama of the finding of the child, departed four years ago. He's just as alive to me, only he is young. He was 62 when he departed. When I meet Lawrence now, he's young, and strangely enough, all the intelligence of my brother, who is a doctor, not a thing is lost. But he's young now, in his twenties. He knows what happened, and I prophesied with him or with him. Lord, you will be the next member of our little family to have the experience. Because you found him. My other two brothers laughed when you said it's Neville's baby. And you found him in that drama. You played the part of Simon. O oh God, let me now depart according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Luke two thirty and you are entitled now for the unfolding within you. Everyone in the world will have it. No one will fail. I don't care what you have ever done in this world. I don't care what you are planning to do. It could be the most unlovely act in the world. You are my brother before that the world was. Ephesians 1.4 You were God's son before that the world was, and you were just as his son, and told that you would come down into this world and die. What? Like men. Psalm 82, 7. If you die like men, then it would have not, then it would have had no meaning whatsoever if you were a man when you were addressed. Obviously, if I am a man, and men die, why tell me I will die like a man if I am a man when you address me? But I was not a man, and you were not a man. You were sons of God. You were all sons of God. 
and only through the act of crucifixion will we be exalted to God. Through the crucifixion, the sons become the father. If I was not crucified on man, man, and he indicates the physical body with arms outstretched, is a cross. I cannot be raised to the exaltation of the father. And because in the end there is only God the Father, everyone has to be raised to God the Father. So, the promise has already reached its climax, but it is taking place. If I could only get this idea over to the whole vast world that would listen. Think of a drama that is actually taking place, written in the imperative passive mood. A command to be done absolutely and continuously, without any reference to completeness or incompleteness. It is taking place. The curtain doesn't come down on it. It is always taking place, with no reference whatsoever to its position in time, whether it be 1971 or the year 1 or the year 3000. It's always taking place. There is no reference to position in time, no reference to its duration or repetition. So in 1959, the drama repeated itself. Where? In me. What drama? The one recorded in scripture in the first century. How many times it took place? I can only believe it must have taken place a number of times in that interval. Because there are billions of us to awake. And I can't conceive for one moment that there are long intervals between times for all to awake. But not everyone tells the story. The only one who tells it is the one who is called and then sent. He is sent for a purpose. To get the barnacles off the wonderful story. Organized religion simply is stranded, really. It is stranded on form and vested interest. They have so much to take care of in the world of Caesar, there is no time to tell the story. So once in a while, he calls one who is about to have the experience. You are now going to be sent into the world to tell it. And everyone who is called has the same sense of, not guilt, sense of inadequacy. Moses said, I have impediment of speech. I cannot tell it. I cannot talk. He said, I I have sent you. He didn't volunteer. He was drafted. When Paul was called, Paul said, I have a thorn in my side. He was inadequate. He didn't feel qualified to tell it. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. When I was called and sent, no one could have felt more inadequate than the speaker. I had no formal education I had no background, socially, intellectually, financially, or anything of that nature. Whatever I have today, it is quite current. My family made it in this generation. What they gave me is now. There is no background of wealth, and certainly no background that is social, prominent, and no intellectual background. So I felt inadequate. How on earth could I face an audience? But I didn't know that he was coming. 
that he would unfold in me what the wise scholars of the world did not experience. When you face the wise scholars of the world, they are theorizing, but you are speaking from experience. So you are not standing even on the same level. You don't make any apologies because they are not on the same level. They are speculating, and you are not speculating. You tell exactly how this thing has happened in you and how it must happen to them. So you are not making any excuses now for yourself, for no one could have foreseen that that would happen in me to give me the courage to speak, <clears throat> excuse me, to give me that feeling of, of adequacy when inward, inwardly I felt so inadequate. <clears throat> so I tell you, you have the greatest biography in the world. The Bible is your book. It's all about you from beginning to end. You are the Jesus Christ of Scripture. You are the Lord God, Jehovah of Scripture. And all these characters of Scripture are phases of your being. Abraham, that represents a state. All these characters, the disciples, all of them are only aspects of your own wonderful being. You are the Lord Jesus Christ. So he only speaks of two, the Father and his Son. Jesus is the Father. His Son is Christ, and Christ is David. David is the sum total of humanity. If you take all the beings of the world, all of their experiences, and then fuse it into one grand whole, that concentrated time that represents humanity's history, personify it now. It comes out as David, and that is your Son. That is David, for David will call you Father. And then you know who you are. You are God the Father. Even though you are still a little man, weak with all the limitations of the flesh, you still have to play the weakness of man until the very end when you take it, the body off. In my own case, when this thing, the body, drops, tonight, tomorrow night, or any other night, when it drops, I am through with the drama. I could say with Paul, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid out for me the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.7-8 through 8. The whole thing is over. All I can do from now on is to tell it. I tell it tonight with force because I have no premonition about it. But I am speaking to you tonight as if it were the last time that I will be addressing you. I have no plans for my future. He notes at this point there's a flaw in my there's a note here that says at this point there was a flaw in the tape uh, during which the interim Neville explained that he normally makes plans both in Los Angeles and San Francisco for the following year's appearances. But he didn't do that this year. He said, I made no plans for the fall in Los Angeles this year. I'm not doing it here this year. I am speaking to you tonight just as though this is the last time that I will address you. I have no commitments whatsoever beyond tonight. I leave tomorrow morning. I'm going back to L.A. to my wife and daughter. And that is it. So I could be actually speaking to you for the last time. I do not know. I only know I have finished the work. I have done everything that scripture foretold that man must do. I have finished the work that gavest me to do. 
Return unto me the glory that was mine, the glory that I had with thee before that the world was. John 17, 4-5 For I was one with God the Father, and he detached me, as he detached you, for purposes of his own. And he actually implanted us his word in this stock called humanity, that we may become as he is. For while we are a part of that wonderful eternal tree, we partook of the nature of the tree. Yes, our substance was supplied by the trees. We had no life in ourselves. We were part of the life of that tree. By detachment and incorporation in the stock called humanity, we, the grafted bud, now bear the fruit from the parent tree from which we were taken, and now we bring forth everything of that parent tree. Well, he was a father. I have to bring forth fatherhood. In order to bring forth fatherhood, I must bring forth a son, because he was a father of a son. The same son must come out when I begin to bear the fruit. I have borne the fruit. I have brought forth David. And David revealed to me, revealed me to myself as God the Father. And now it is coming into my world day after day, writing me the letters, telling me in visions they saw me as a being, what I know that I am. So it has to take place just as we are told in Scripture. So I am sharing it with you. Everyone in this world will have it, everyone. What hour I cannot tell you, that day no one knows but the Father. The Father in you knows the hour and the day, but no one else knows it. I tell you, when it comes, it comes like a thief in the night, unexpectedly. It comes with such shocking suddenness. Then all of a sudden you are the being. And what an awe, what a feeling that you, and you have a memory. Remembering the weaknesses of your past, you know the things you did things of which you are ashamed. What man walking this earth is not ashamed of things that he has done? Maybe he didn't have the courage to do them, but he did them in his thoughts. He wished he had the courage. Maybe he didn't have the courage, but he still entertained such thoughts. And in spite of these weaknesses, God erupts within you, and the story of God becomes your story. All right, so I'm going to finish that here. Um, so this is the end of part one of Neville Goddard's lecture titled The Promise Fulfilled. I will return in the next episode with part two. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope everyone has a wonderful day or evening, depending on what time it is where you are at, and I will see you in the next episode. Again, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.